gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest edition of Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. I'm your host this week, I'm Stephen Wilson, and we will be providing you with all your necessary wrestling chat and entertainment during this time of self-isolation and quarantine. Yes, we'll still be here to provide all our substandard banter, as always here at the podcast Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. But before we get into this week's discussion... Follow us on all of our forms of social media. It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Uh, if this is the first time you've listened to us and you, because you've decided to catch up on all our podcast content during this time of 21 days lockdown in the UK, uh, just find us on Spotify, iTunes, and any form of podcasting site to get the full back catalogue. Eat, sleep, Suplex Retweet. And we've also got our extra feed at Suplex Retweet Extra. We've got so much extra bonus content right talking of self-isolation I've had to drag out the drags for this particular show as all the good panellists are not talking at the moment so here's today's panel first of all this panellist as a man who can't see his other half for three weeks and known for having a shortage of toilet paper this could be a lot of squeaky bum time over this period for this man it's <laughs> David Hockney hey Stevie how's it going I'm fine how are you I am living the quarantine dream right now. D R E A M. Ah, jeez. Just for correction, David doesn't lack in toilet paper. He just lacks putting it out for guests. That's the difference. Well, he'll be all right to know because he's not going to get any guests for a long time. (laughs) And also, Dave, we know how to spell dream. D R E A. Yeah, spelled it right. We know you spelled it. Jeez. Moving Moving on now. Uh, Our next panelist as someone who's used to the idea of social distancing and isolation, as that is how he lives his life, living in the house and not getting out much. Scott McLeod, everybody. (laughs) Everybody seems to think that this is normal for me, like not going outside. As I've said before, I like the option, like there was always the option of going outside, and now it's been taken away from me. You at least get your one daily walk, Scott. (laughs) Yeah, when my dad sends me the fucking shots for fags. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's a, nece- that's a necessity I guess apparently <laughs> my god ESSR turns into daddy issues <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus uh, our next panellist now you as the listeners have to put up with his substandard patter for an hour and a half spare a fault for his dog and his wife for now having to put up with it every moment of the day. It's Alan McLucas, everybody. Substandard pattern? Substandard pattern? the Sunday roast? Really? Mm-hmm. Well, well, your Sunday roast is like the dregs of the lamb, you know? <laughs> You're the dregs of your family? Well, I'm an only child, so there's not really much option, you know? You carry Derek will vouch for this. Ah, they can't talk. They're not here. <laughs> Give me two minutes, I'll go get them. You can't. You're in quarantine, my friend. <laughs> I'll rescue for a biscuit. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, how are you, Alan? Ah, uh, still breathing. <laughs> nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm enjoying the quarantine life. Aye, is, your, is, your, is Hazel trying to kill you yet? Nope, because I'm in her office just now for this recording, and she's in my office. Nice, 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 nice. The joys of self-isolation. 
and a one and oh, well, you have a two bedroom flat. Try it in a one bedroom flat, mate. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's not easy at all. Alan's office is Harley's bed when Harley's not sleeping. And it's damn comfy too, don't you forget it. It's next to the telly as well, so... Exactly. Been watching WrestleMania all day. Nice. And rounding off the panel today, one good thing to come from this whole quarantine thing for some people is the good students at Strathclyde University do not have to listen to this man's DJ sets. Whoa, whoa, wait, hold the bus here a minute. I am doing a live DJ set straight after this recording, and the support has never been greater. I am self isolating from Wilson 19. I'm isolating from you, and after listening to your voice, carry on. Let's get this done over quickly. That's me to help. That's me to help, you know. You know, I'll take it, you know, I've not had a lot of social interaction recently, so I'll, I'll take any form of what I'm getting. Recently? I'm Right, Right, so, this particular show this week, uh, it's, it's actually one we've had planned for a number of weeks with four people window, but given recent activity, it's actually quite fitting that we're actually doing it, as we're talking about best and worst WrestleMania venues at a time where, and just over a week's time, WrestleMania is going to be held at the Performance Center. So, we're not going to have that on our list this week, though. We guys are going to list off their best and worst WrestleMania venues of past. Each one of them is going to give their worst and their best, respectively. Debate it like we had in last week's show, where they talked about the WrestleMania main event, and then we'll figure out at the end which one gave the best case. So, he's already... Uh, talked a lot in his intro, so time for him to put his money where his mouth is. Alan, you can start us off on worst WrestleMania venues. We'll start with the worst first. What is your worst WrestleMania venue? WrestleMania 31. That was uh, Levi Stadium, I believe. Was, yes. Hated Absolutely hated it. Now, you're wanting a debate. I don't really have a debate other than I've got one thing I absolutely hate about stadiums. What's that? They have to be aesthetically matching. That stadium looked like a twelve-year-old. No, not a twelve. A three-year-old drew it and sneezed the whole way through. None of the stands look the same. It's not aesthetically pleasing, and it just looked daft. Especially with the sun coming in. And the one thing it really grated on about that WrestleMania, when you think of like an Undertaker on Sting, it's got to be dark when they come out to fight. Not clear skies and sunshine. It just doesn't look right. And it just it wasn't a great WrestleMania, to be honest, either. Um, but I just thought, I just, I just don't like it. I hate it. It's a terrible, terrible venue. Hmm, interesting. It's not what I thought was going to come out. Uh, Dave, I'll go to you and first of all on this one. What do you make of Alan's remarks? Would you agree with that one? That it's a bad venue, or are you going to go the opposite side for this one? See, I actually agree with him on the fact that I think um, because it's obviously set in Santa Clara and the, given the timing that it's always sunny at that time of year, it, I think it did dampen the aesthetic of, you know, Sting and The Undertaker and also Bray Wyatt as well. It kind of hampered their entrances a bit because they suit it best when they're in, like, complete darkness. So I think location-wise, it didn't really help. And Because I remember watching that WrestleMania and it didn't get properly dark until around probably actually the main event itself. So it didn't... I don't think it did anybody any favours, but as for the stadium itself though, I didn't have any complaints about it because this is where um, 
it's the it's where the San Francisco 49ers play, and it can hold up to about what eighty thousand people, give or take. It actually looked quite refreshing as well because I'm always quite a fan of these open top stadiums. It gives that sort of big sporting feel to a WrestleMania. So I wouldn't say Levi's is the worst in terms of being a stadium in itself. I think it's just you know given the location, the weather, and the time of day it was getting filmed. That's kind of what sort of hampered it a bit. Yeah, Alan, you mentioned The Undertaker. It's the thing that always stood out to me when I watched it. Am I right in saying that Undertaker actually went on second from last in his match with Bray Wyatt? Mm-hmm. That's right. And I think it was starting to get dark, but it wasn't dark enough for either of them, to be honest. Like, when Bray Wyatt came out in that character, I always think about WrestleMania 30, where the lights go out and it's just everyone's phones acting like a candlelight. And the reaction that you used to get, and it just was, you know, I've never been a fan of Bray Wyatt or any of these characters. I really was impressed by it. It was quite an awesome sight. But see, I've seen that in the broad daylight, or when it's just starting to turn, it just lost all its appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Sting one's an interesting one as well, because that match went on very early on the card, and it was literally bright as the day it was old, you know? Mm-hmm. It was completely, you think of Sting. And you can look at the the Starcade entrance from 1997 that he has against against Hulk Hogan, and mm-hmm. that is the one of the darkest and best entrances in wrestling history, you know. But this one is WrestleMania debut. As cool as it was to see all those guys kind of donging him out, you know, you know, it's literally not really. It's more early 90s thing in the bright daylight as opposed to the dark cross thing that we all knew. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think when he made his actual debut, his survivor series, every light in the building in it. Mm-hmm. Other than the Titantron, and then he came out, and the only thing that was on was the spotlight. Mm-hmm. That was like the eat the all of Sting, and we never got that because he had the biggest spotlight in the universe on him, the sun, and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Scott, do you want to chime in on this one? What's your thoughts on um, the Levi Stadium as a, a bad WrestleMania venue? See, I was actually surprised that this was Alan's pick because to me, I didn't really think much of it when I seen like the the venue itself when I watched WrestleMania because it just seemed to like fit what Dowie's been doing kind of almost on a regular basis with a couple of exceptions ever since like WrestleMania 28 in Miami where they've been doing these kind of more outdoor venues mm-hmm. and I think like the biggest issue you have with the show is as been mentioned the fact that Taker and then Sting coming out to like when it's still bright outside but it's more so to do with the city that they're in and, and like how usually more sunny it is in California than the actual venue itself. I think WWE put Taker second to last, hoping that by then it would be darker by then. Because if you remember in Miami, uh, which I think climate-wise is very similar to where they were for me at 31, when they when Taker came out, he was kind of in the middle of the card, and by then it was dark. So I think WWE kind of were hoping, but by the time Taker came out, it would have been darker. But like you can't really fight the weather with this kind of thing. Yeah, it's a kind of one, but you didn't really see too many aesthetics on the Undertaker entrance. I mean, Alan, was that kind of your biggest pitfall on this one? Was uh, was it was it the whole kind of the way it affected these entrances? Was that more of your effect on what you said about the stadium looking a bit lopsided? I wouldn't say the main. I mean, like I know it's when people listen to stuff, just be like you're off your head. But like football, I'm a big, I'm quite passionate with football stadiums in general, mm-hmm. and like. Okay, like we put in a glass of region sense, right? And I get a Celtic fan and it's like Steamy Rangers fan. Like Celtic Park's naturally a louder stadium because it's all enclosed, it's more equal looking than it is Ibrox. Mm-hmm. Hamden, 
similar as well. It's, a, it's even a, it's more loud. It's the loudest stadium in the world, Hamden. So I like the aesthetics, everything to be nice and even. It annoys me if it's not. It just it just grates in my OCD a wee bit. But then yeah, when you start to talk about it and analyse it, that is another aspect you talk about. Obviously, the aesthetics I take. I'm stinging nothing around by location, the timing as well. It's a big factor for me. And if, I think the problem is that the probably equal reasons why I just didn't really enjoy that WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quacky, what's your thoughts on Levi Stadium? Well, I'm looking at pictures of it and I can see where Al's coming from. The thing about it, I'm going to pretend I'm my brother and I'm talking as an architect when I'm clearly I'm not. Um, when you actually look at the outside of it, there's quite a lot. You know, normally, stadiums are built in more, not so much rural, but more like out of town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, there's quite a bit of buildings and stuff around it and you can actually tell that they've tried to make it as compact as possible because you actually see the staircases on the outside Um, now in terms of the unevenness yes absolutely spot on I mean they do have like a I don't know if it's like the north stand or south stand but it's one of the main stands it's got a lot of windows which says to me that they like to sell VIP tickets probably it's not yeah. completely round, it's kind of got that one kind of flat side, you know, where the entrance yeah. is, you know. Yeah, they probably want to sell VIP tickets to the likes of Mr. and Mrs. Levesque and Mr. and Mrs. Rhodes to go watch <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl at 2016 and probably pay the best part of 15 grand just mm-hmm. to do it, as opposed to selling, like what, 10 tickets for probably a grand. Mm-hmm. Just, just for the way it is, um, I think that's the big thing about it. It's just because, and actually looking at the staircase, they're a bit, they're built at an angle, like they're the leaning tower of Pisa as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Alan, I'm not gonna lie. When I first uh, set out for these selections, it wasn't that stadium I actually was gonna think of because I've quite, I, 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 I quite like the outdoor stadiums. But the more you talk about the aesthetics of it, it makes a bit of sense why it's not compared the same. To the other big outdoor stadiums that we've seen over the last decade or so. Mm, yeah, I'm a massive fan of the stadiums as well. I've seen, I think, kind of a passion. I mean, I like to go look at football stadiums and, and tours and stuff, but it just really annoyed me so much. And I know people might listen to this and just think you're an idiot, you're a rocket, but I like everything like it's sort of even and equal, which is why I've been later on when I go to discuss my favourite venue. You'll understand why I've picked that venue. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. It's a, it's an int- it was an interesting debate to kind of start us off, Alan. But no, you've, you've given us a very good base for the discussion. It's a bit more of a could go both ways on it. We'll now move on to Sunday's pick, which I think a lot of people would quite universally agree is one of the worst WrestleMania venues of all time. We're going to go to David. Uh, David, uh, tell the listeners your pick for the wor- your worst WrestleMania venue. Well, I was actually kind of spot for choice because. When I think of WrestleMania, I think of it as like a, a, a big time event which tries to bring in as many people as possible. Like all eyes are on this product filled with an atmosphere of tens of thousands of people. And I want it to be different from the regular Raw and SmackDown weekly tapings. So I turn your attention to the mid 90s and to a WrestleMania, which to be, I mean, I actually watched this one earlier this week. And honestly, I didn't feel any different atmosphere compared to, say, a regular TV taping. So my least favourite venue is WrestleMania 11, the Hartford Civic Centre in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's not a not a universally praised venue for mm. a uni- not a universally praised WrestleMania. Like you know, it wouldn't even get me past you know even trying to think about this, the arena itself because the Hartford Civic Hartford Civic Center is actually one of the the smallest. WrestleMania audiences in history alongside, say, like Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena and Rosemont Horizon. But there was just nothing about this WrestleMania that really, really sold it to me. And given the fact that, you know, the main event, it was uh, an NFL Hall of Famer against Bam Bam Bigelow rather than, say, like, you know, have Shawn Michaels and Diesel in the with for the WWE title. There was just nothing about this WrestleMania that sold it for me. And the venue, I think, was just a part of it. Because say, for example, if you hosted that kind of WrestleMania in sort of uh, an arena with a different vibe, a different aesthetic, something that looked a little bit different to what we're used to seeing on regular TV, then I would be slightly interested. But looking at the the WrestleMania setup, uh, for quite a lot of WrestleManias in the mid-90s, it just seemed like a standard you know, hexagonal entrance with a ramp, and then it just curved around towards the ring. Like, it doesn't scream sort of like key event of the year. And, but the the one leeway I will give like to some of the other venues that were sort of, that sort of had this set up is because at least those ma- those uh, WrestleManias had at least a worthy big match or a big feud that would draw people in. But for just for this one in Hartford, it just did nothing for me. Like I couldn't even get past the first match without, you know, feeling just a little bit deflated. Quacko, mm-hmm. uh, Dave mentioned the the venue there didn't really feel stand out for the WrestleMania. Do you think it's maybe a it's, it's a case now that when we've got all these WrestleManias now in these big massive stadiums, we're kind of spoiled compared to what we had back there in the nineties. Well, as Dave said. It was relatively small arenas that they had these WrestleManias at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, see, to be honest with you, I thought Dave would have put WrestleMania 2 at the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. <laughs> because, no, that's, um, that's clearly, a venue. Clearly, well, well, you say it's a cracking venue, but clearly you don't think that people of New- Uniondale are part of New York, so I thought you would have hated that venue, but oh well then. That, I, I, can, I can imagine the people of Uniondale will be out in the street celebrating if they weren't quite right now because oh, yeah. Dave doesn't hate them but well anyway and um, <laughs> back to throwing people under the bus are we oh no no I'm just saying that as it is that's all that's all hello people of Union Dale vote for me for mayor anyway um, <laughs> so yeah sorry I lost my track Wrestlemania 11 wasn't it yes um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, especially when you have the likes of like Dallas that had over a hundred thousand people in it, it's easy to get lost in that kind of thing. And when you do see it fill to the rafters, and it's like maybe two or three tiered stadium for a wrestling. I mean, think about it when they're holding it in big football games, and the action is confined to somewhere that is basically 20 foot by 20 foot a wrestling ring i don't know if it's actually 20 foot so all your wrestling marks in the internet don't shoot me down and like think about it that way compared to like an actual american football pitch compared to a wrestling stadium you have that many people cramming in to watch it it's just amazing so yeah all adds to it Mm -hmm. uh alan i'll go you in this one actually um uh, this was this event at WrestleMania 11 came at the point, kind of just before the Monday Night Wars came out, where WWE were 
in a bit of a financial trouble in the battle with WCW. Do you think that whole financial strain on the WWE at this point in the, in the mid-90s played into the fact that they were having an event like WrestleMania at state, uh, arenas like this that barely held just over 10,000? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, when you look especially back to like WrestleMania C, which I think it was like 80,000, 90,000, that, that was that. I it speaks volumes, you know, the, the, the size of the stadiums that used to go into. I was just looking at some of the stats there. Um, half a centre road for basketball, 16,000. Although it's, it's quite a quite a reputable stadium in regards to WWE. It has quite a lot of pay-per-views in it. So it's got a lot of big history within WWE. But I agree, it was the, the, the financial side obviously part of it. Also, just looking back at the card, the card wasn't particularly great or exciting. No, it was It'd be like watching, I don't know, like, I don't want to say money back, but I see like a, a, like a mid-year pay-per-view, sort of like, I don't know, a June-July pay-per-view, something like, I don't know, like, try to think of a pay-per-view put in my head, you know, like Revolution or something, it'd be, I felt like something like that, so I kind of see where Dave's coming from, but considering the position WWF was in back at the time, um, I think it's all they could really afford to do, and they did the best of what they had, to be honest. And we've seen that a few times, even if I had all this much financial muscle, and they've still been poor in front of 70,000, 80,000. Yeah, definitely. Scott, and Sorry, in the meantime, I've just Googled a wrestling ring is between 16 and 20 foot. Get to yeah. top use. Stats, stats, stats. Scott, what's your thoughts on the Hartford Civic Centre? Uh, I think I agree with like some of the points the other guys have made. Like, you look at this kind of venue, like the images of it, if you said you were holding like any other kind of show during the year for this kind of, in this kind of venue, like a SummerSlam or something like that, people would be okay with it, but it doesn't scream WrestleMania. But when I was looking back at trying to make like picks for this show, I tried to think about the time period where these particular WrestleManias were, were happening, and, and given that this is happening in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, which is not too far from their headquarters, I think given also 95 is famously like financially one of WWE's like worst years I think this was more of a convenience thing it was a local kind of venue from the like main headquarters so they didn't have to spend too much like transporting all the equipment over to the venue and like Dave's saying that like this was like one of the lowest attendance for Wrestlemania is surprising given that the whole point of having Lawrence Taylor in the main event presumably would be like they have when they've brought in like celebrities for previous Wrestlemania's and that Mm. Is that to get that whole cross up promotional appeal? Uh, uh, Dave, you mentioned uh, you watched uh, some of this earlier in the week, and it didn't really help draw your inspiration from the actual venue. No, <laughs> guys, if you say uh, we're, we're in that time of WrestleManias where they've got like fourteen to sixteen matches on the card, this match had si- this card had seven matches. You know, included the likes of uh, Undertaker took on King Kong Bundy, Razor Ramon took on Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Lex Luger and the British Bulldog took on the Blue Brothers of Jacob Blue and Eli Blue, whoever the hell they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen Hart and Yokozuna taking on the Smoking Guns, otherwise yes. known as the McLeod Brothers. <laughs> and yeah, it was main event by that match with Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow, so <laughs> it doesn't really scream a, a, a card for a, for a venue it's going to be massively big. I think the, you know, just to sort of draw on Scott's point about, you know, having it in Hartford, which was like literally right next door to the the headquarters, I think maybe he does make a good point, you know, that was a 
financially it was a difficult time for the WWF, but yeah, they still had they seem to have enough money to bring in uh, Lawrence Taylor, Pamela Anderson, and Jenny McCarthy uh, at the same time. But you know, especially you know, going back to the fact that you know, if you've got these big name celebrities in who were big at the time, you'd want to fill a big stadium with as many people getting eyes on them. But it makes you think maybe they just wanted to capitalize on. Maybe they just maybe they were gambling on TV revenue a bit just to get more eyes on it that way. Yeah, just that point. Sorry, interrupt. Isn't this around about the time that Sky Box Office started to kick in and started to show yes, a lot of it? Yes, round about that. Yeah. Sky started in 92, 93. Well, maybe they felt like the part. Well, two things. Firstly, Connecticut is not really known for its sporting pedigree as a state or a city. No. So, no, you're no. never massive arenas in that area um, but also was probably back then it's kind of like the boom of the streaming service just now that we get really like so Disney Plus just released yesterday um, you know with Netflix and so forth the problem that the market for that was probably so hot that it felt like they didn't have to potential time blow it all out in a 70,000 seater stadium and play it safe and have what 12,000 there or whatever it was mm, yeah potentially but as a, a venue that not many wrestling fans look back on it's not WrestleMania, many wrestling fans look back on, let's be brutally honest, but mm-hmm. Dave, you rightfully put that on this list of the worst menus ever, it absolutely sucked. Uh, we're going to go a wee bit further back in time with our next one, and we're going to go to Scott McLeod. Scott, you've picked a WrestleMania 2 venue, but not the one we are expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like I said, when I was trying to think of like venues, I was really struggling for worst venues, and then as I said before, I tried to think of the time period these were taking place in. So I went for the LA Memorial Sports Arena, which was the site of WrestleMania 7. And it's important to note for the reasons why this was a poor like, venue. It's not. This is the WrestleMania headlined by Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter for the WF title. Now, originally, they even announced it like a year in advance that they wanted to run the LA, Sport, LA Memorial Coliseum, which holds close to like 100,000 people. Basically, they wanted a break the record from WrestleMania 3 that they kind of lied about. But even like a couple months away from the show, they had nowhere near sold out the amount of seats needed to run that venue. So they had to basically move across the road to the smaller venue. And when you look at the footage of this event, they do a good job to make it seem full. I think capacity for a wrestling show is around 16,000. But according to reports, there are at least 1,500 empty seats at this mania. So it's like they went from going to run a hundred seater venue, hundred thousand seater venue, to filling just barely fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And I look at this venue, I talk about like feeling like a resume. This looks like a venue that back in this time period, you know, when Hulk Hogan's still very popular, you know, the the kind of popularity hasn't waned yet, the steroid trial and that hasn't really affected the company just yet. But this looks like a venue they would run one of the, like, their big like, Saturday night main event shows or like, even a rumble at most, but it doesn't automatically scream a WrestleMania venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dave, uh, Scott mentioned WrestleMania 7. Mm-hmm. It was also one of the venues for WrestleMania 2. Yeah. Not, obviously not Uniondale, but <laughs> it was the site of the portion of that WrestleMania 2 that featured the main event of Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy. In a cage match that to yeah. me screamed house show over at WrestleMania. Yeah, it was like three 
house shows in conjunction with each other uh, for that WrestleMania. And I, I know it's been a while since I've actually seen any any highlights or let alone, you know, watching the event in full. But I, I do get Scott's point, you know, it was it wasn't even the biggest it wasn't even the biggest venue or claimed attendance for that WrestleMania. The biggest was actually Nassau Nassau Coliseum. And but yeah, nothing nothing just really stood out about this. And it's it's just such a really big downgrade from trying to get into the Memorial Coliseum. And isn't it true that the WWF at the time actually had to come up with some convoluted excuse just to hide the fact that their ticket sales were doing so badly? Yeah, the excuse was they moved it for security reasons due to the Sergeant Slaughter gimmick. And, and, that, uh, and this was during the Gulf War. Yeah, he was essentially the Iraqi sympathizer at this point in time. He was main eventing the show against Hulk Hogan. And this was the reason that they wanted to have a more secure uh, venue for Mr. Slaughter. So that's why they moved it from the Memorial Coliseum, which held a st- uh, substantially more, to moving it to a smaller stadium. Uh, Alan, I'll go to you. What's your thoughts on this uh, this venue, the LA Memorial well, Arena? It's been a lot of fair points. I mean, one of the things I need to remember as well is when we held this here, this was in the class of an old arena. The arena was built in 1959. So it was dated even for WrestleMania 2 and was it WrestleMania 7 it was used for? Yeah. So it was dated back then. Okay, and there was like, it's, not, it's not there anymore. Um, the second point, obviously, you were saying about the reason they moved it, obviously the real reason is the tickets here, but they, they made it about the security purposes. But it was um, think back to then before you had like social media. That was truly believable because they're talking about the middle of the tensions and the, even the Middle East and so forth. That's really believable because if you're sitting in the eighty thousand seat stadium and you're worried about security, you know security's not going to really co- stop eighty thousand people running at you. But they're a hell of a lot better with say maybe fifteen thousand running at you. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is against you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the guys, it wasn't a great. Uh, venue, mm-hmm. but <laughs> to be fair, it kind of set the precedence of a lot of WrestleMania's being in similar sized venues, like mm-hmm. WrestleMania 11. So it kind of set the tone for how WrestleMania was going to be back in the day and right through to the mid 90s. And plus, one last point, and I don't keep going on, think of bands like Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, you two, the biggest bands in the world, they weren't playing stadiums. They were playing arenas, or they were playing bars, or small venues. We only held about two or three thousand. So for something less, for WrestleMania to go there, and even though it was fifteen hundred tickets short of, of a sellout, that's still a mighty good pull, especially for what nineteen eighty-seven. Quick, Alan brought up that point there about this setting the precedent for WrestleMania's past, or WrestleMania's followed it. Sorry, but if you look at the WrestleMania that happened after it in the Hosier Dome. Mm-hmm. Held 62,000 for a uh, card that had the double main event of Randy Savage versus Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan versus Psycho Sid. Do you mm. think this was more just a point that WWE just kind of mucked up their booking for this card and it was reflected in the ticket sales? Well, probably because if you again look at uh, straight after it, we're at WrestleMania 3, it goes to 93,000, but then it goes back down to 18,000 for WrestleMania 4. Um, so yeah, it just but looking at it when you look at the final matches of those ones, so like WrestleMania three was 
Hulk Hogan versus Andre the uh, Giant and the Silver Dome, which is why he kept on getting confused over the Super Dome. <laughs> I mean, it's it's easy to be that forgetful thirty years old, but anyway, um, and then when you look at, well, I don't know who, I don't know how big Sid Justice was at the time. Was he big? No, it wasn't. The, the oh, big match, the big match on that card was the Flair Savage win, which went on in the middle there of the card. Go. There we go. Sorry, I'll, I'll rely on Gary and Derek for my retro uh, WWE. <laughs> WrestleMania 8, the, the match that they, everybody wanted on the book was Hogan versus Flair. But right. instead, they kind of put the two separate matches together. They put Hogan with Sid and they put Savage with Flair. Okay. So it wasn't quite the sell. Um, Scott, obviously, the, this is obviously your pick, but obviously there's only potential reasons for it but apparently according to Bruce Pritchard even before they made this change because of the gimmick they only sold 11,000 tickets so it couldn't have just been that that they changed it you know yeah I mean like I said Hogan was still like fairly popular I think this kind of golden era as it's talked about was starting to kind of wane and I think the fact that they started moving into smaller venues like this is kind of a sign of it and to talk about the, the May 7 for a second the Dave said that I think only seven matches were on Mania 11. Mm-hmm. Seven matches, yeah. Yeah, well, I think the people who were at WrestleMania 7 would have killed for that because, including a dark match, there were 15 matches on this show. Mm-hmm. And they were short as well, very short. A lot. That was the pres- That was the thing at WrestleMania that time. There were a lot of really, really short matches. Yeah, mm-hmm. the longest. The longest actually went was uh, Ultimate Warrior Randy Savage, and that lasted just shy of 21 minutes. Yeah, and 15 minutes of it was Randy Savage hitting a million elbow drops off the top rope. Yeah. WrestleMania back then was between two and a half hours, roughly, maybe about two to two and a half hours. Yeah, they, they were, weren't long. They were long pay per views, no. That's why they could get away with shorter cards. Now, the, the longer the longer cards are kind of. They can put the longer match. They, they can do longer matches with the longer cards now, the way they book it. So. But, no, I, I, I think this is a really. This is a bad venue. And. It's one that we forget about in this podcast because obviously we talk a lot about Uniondale when we talk about <laughs> WrestleMania too. Yeah. But but no, it's a fine it's a fine pick, Scott, for your worst venue. Very very good. Quacko, uh, now move on to you. Round off our worst uh, WrestleMania venues with your pick. The Bells Hill Town Hall. No, I'm only joking. That's, um, that is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am going to go to WrestleMania 22 for the Allstate Arena. Mm. Now, normally. Allstate Arena is Allstate Arena. It's amazing venue. Um, it's amazing crowd and everything that whatever have you and stuff. But I'm sorry, it just lacked ambition. It they fair play. They had okay. So I'm gonna start from WrestleMania 19. They went to the Safeco Field in Seattle, Washington, 54,000. Mm-hmm. They then went on to Madison Square Garden, which is Madison Square Garden. I can forgive that because it's MSG. 20,000. Then they go to, which is one of my favourite pay-per-views, WrestleMania 21. They go to Staples Centre in LA. Now, that's LA. That's a Staples Centre. That's iconic as well. I'll forgive that. 20,000. Then they go from that to 17,000. And it's just like, what the hell? Where's the ambition? Like, like give us something. And as incidentally, the following year, they then go to Detroit, Michigan at the Ford Field, and they they put in eighty thousand people. So they actually put in 
four times and some into the next year worth of people and it just like where was ambition i'm sure there's a bigger arena in chicago they could have gone to maybe there were logistics i don't know but still it just didn't have ambition at all Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, I'll go to you to follow up on this one. Uh, Kwaku raises a very good point of this one that this WrestleMania, to many people looking back on it, just felt like an unnecessary downturn in where they chose to have it. Yeah, I mean, the idea of hosting a WrestleMania in Chicago, which they have done in the past, I mean, seems like an opener because Chicago is one of the cities in America that is well known for having very, like, rowdy, very passionate like wrestling fans. But the venue itself, more like I could talk about it more, I kind of agree about the lack of ambition because, yeah, you had like the long ramp and randomly the photos of people on the card all on the top of the arena. But aesthetically, like the set really didn't do much for the set. They did like a weird, what looked like cardboard kind of representation of the city of Chicago at the top of the ramp. <laughs> and don't but, forget the tagline was big time. I know. I didn't great great feature to that mania. Fantastic. Oh yeah, bagging teams, oh yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. we're not talking about features. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. Like the card and the city were kind of right. It just if they'd done some and they really helped the, the stadium or the arena look more like aesthetically like pleasing, I think people would forgive the, the venue. But what Quacko talks about, I think I agree. But the lack of ambition. Yeah, no, I think Quacko and Scott both make an excellent point. Like you know. The, the thing about this is you want a really sort of active and involved crowd and you don't get a better crowd than a Chicago crowd when it comes to WWE events. And I have to give them a bit of leeway. I like how they kind of tried to give a, give the arena a bit of a WrestleMania vibe to it. You know, you know having the, the superstars pictures laid, like emblazed around the arena. And the, 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 the stage setup was a little bit different compared, but Honestly, I didn't like that stage, if I'm being honest. I mean, the whole skyscraper aesthetic, I see what they were trying to do, but it completely almost blocked the Titantron, and I think it kind of made it a lot worse. And just about the arena itself, you know, this is an arena that's, you know, again, it'd be featured for tapings of, like, Raw and SmackDown, like, weekly TV tapings. It just doesn't feel like a WrestleMania venue, but what what I think they did for WrestleMania that year was they wanted... They wanted an energetic crowd, which they got. They did up the stage a bit. They tried to decorate it a bit, which they did do. But if you look, take a look back and you just look at it, you think it's just a, a TV taping wearing a bit more jazzy clothes, but it doesn't really change the atmosphere as a whole. I, I can kind of see where the guys are coming from. But again, I remember this number of the old on some At that time, from a price perspective, Wrestling was deemed very uncool and it lost a lot of popularity over here. I don't know if that was the same in the States. That is a possibility that it could have happened. If I remember rightly, like, reading back some things, the attendances did drop over that sort of course of that year or so. It was the, that was the time where uh, the ruthless aggression era was starting to come to its end. John Cena was becoming mm-hmm. the prevalent figure in the company. Uh, mm-hmm. This was the big event where the, the anti-Cena movement really started. If you watch the Ruthless Aggression documentary series, the one on John Cena, this was the year that the year, the night before the Hall of Fame, when he inducted William the Fridge Perry, he got booed out of the building. Yeah, I mean, look, looking back at some of the pictures, it does look quite grand. Actually, I, I kind of disagree with you guys. I think it does look quite good. But then when you see it, like googling images like Survivor Series there or something else, 
I get Dave's point. It just feels like a glorified house show. Well, um, but then <sighs> I think as well part of the reason is as well the aesthetics for the for performing have to be right as well. And see, because it's an indoor arena, you get the full ambience of like the Undertaker. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily for me feel like a bad arena. May have not been the best choice for the WrestleMania, but I don't. I wouldn't say it's a necessarily a bad WrestleMania venue. Quacko, uh, actually, I'll go back. I'll go to you on a point Dave made about it. It kind of felt like an arena that Raw or SmackDown would be on. The fact like that the, well, there was that, and the next night Raw was held in the exact same arena. Mm. You know, because if you look at that Raw the next night, you still see all the faces of the wrestlers, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. the rafters, and that. You know, so. Normally this, they have it like in the bigger stadium, and then they have it in the well, the big arena, if you like. Mm-hmm, so yeah. it's basically like, well, if we were ever to have it, they would have, let's say, WrestleMania and Celtic Park or Hamden, let's just say for speaking sake, and then they'll have Raw the next day in the Hydro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it kind of. Over the years, the last few years of WrestleMania, we've had that kind of feel of it goes from this high one to the low, mm-hmm. uh, the lower one, and I feel like doing them at the same arena mm-hmm. didn't really make, because we've mentioned the cult on this particular WrestleMania, it's a really good WrestleMania cult. Mm-hmm. Main event solid with John Cena Triple H, we've got the, the Edge McFoley hardcore match, everybody remembers the spot with the flaming table. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Mickey James and Tristratus as well, you know. The, the only thing that lets it down was the winner of the Battle Royal at the start. That was a visitor or winter. Yeah, exactly. The show went downhill from there, to be honest with you. I could hear Gary applying for Breakfast Quarantine to come and beat me up now. John Michaels versus Vince McMahon in the No Holds Barred match was actually on this card as well. It was actually a really yeah. solid card. You could forget about the Booker T versus the Boogeyman and Tony Wilson versus Candice Michelle, but... I was just about to bring up Booker T and the Boogeyman as well. Like um, You wouldn't expect that to see on a WrestleMania card, but I think they had uh, they had a vacancy. They thought, all right, let's just fill it. Oh, but they had a good build-up for that, though. So, uh, but it was it, it was it was just such a quick match, really. I was hoping to get at least a little bit more out of it. Yeah, you wanted to see want more worms or something. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to see uh, Jillian Hall make an entrance to try and get revenge on the boogeyman. <laughs> oh, I, he ate her scab, didn't he? He did. Yes. Oh, that was minging. That was a uh, peak television at that point in time. I can <laughs> I can maybe understand Alan's point that he was talking about maybe the viewers kind of went down at this point in time. <laughs> it was getting a bit silly at some points, yeah. Right, silly well, equals good. Potentially, yeah. In some cases, yes. Right. So, what do you mean in some cases and all cases? So, you've all made very good points <laughs> on really bad WrestleMania venues. Now, you've actually picked, uh, I had two in my mind, and two of them were picked on this particular list. One of them was Quacko's one there of the Allstate Arena, another one was uh, Dave's Hartford Civic Center. There you go. You know, uh, sorry, Alan, you made some great points on the Levi Stadium, uh, but before this, beforehand, I thought it was a good stadium. But you actually made very good points. I'm actually thinking it was crap now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, worst, the worst one for me is still Hartford Civic Centre, guys. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> Thank you. You know, uh, it's the worst WrestleMania of all time. Let's be brutally honest. Uh, one of the worst, at least. Yeah. No, it's, it's the it's the worst. It sucks. It's so bad. You know. You know. Bad, bad Bigelow was in the main event, you know. He was not he was not a main event player. 
to quote the great Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, again, but you know, like I said before, you know, it was the it, it wasn't just the arena itself. It was it's just a very very underwhelming card that was spent on mostly on celebrity appearances, trying to get eyes on the product, and it just took away the attention from some of the wrestlers. And you know, it, it started the trend of the the 90s you know there was just standard normal arenas you'd have raw or smackdown in but at least they all those wrestlemanias had at least something to get your eyes on something that you that would draw your attention in mm-hmm. but that has been our worst wrestlemania venues we're going to take a short break and after the break we're going to be talking about our best wrestlemanias where there's so much more to choose from but before we get into that discussion here's a short clip of WWE, you know, introducing their WrestleMania venue for next year, WrestleMania 37. We will see you in a bit. Hey, this is Quacker. And this is Sarah. Just a quick message to remind you that you should subscribe to our extra feed on Suplex Retweet Extra. Yeah, come and join us over at Alba Grap where we will be breaking down all Scottish wrestling and also giving our brave hearts of each month. Yes, for that and much more, make sure you're subscribed to Suplex Retweet Extra. Los Angeles, the entertainment capital of the world, the city of champions, Hollywood, um, you know, you name it, it is the perfect partner for WrestleMania. You love to see it, don't you? Lots of construction, that's how I like it. Working and building things, building things is what I do. Building a division, building a new bright future for the WWE. We're actually in my uh, my new hometown. I live in Los Angeles, so to be able to be here and uh, and, and host WrestleMania 37 and, and have a new goal of main eventing that year, uh, it's pretty cool. It's incredible to welcome WWE to its new home for WrestleMania here at SoFi Stadium in Hollywood Park. Usually in a stadium this big, these seats go out. As you can see, they're right up on you as if this is like a civic center or like a basketball arena. So the noise that's gonna be created here is gonna be sheltered so much better than a regular stadium that releases the the noise out and up. For the WWE Universe, Los Angeles is such an important part of our history, our heritage, so much of what WWE fans have experienced over decades was born here in LA. Every single person is a part of this, and that's what WWE is all about. We're a community. That's why we actually call our fan base the WWE Universe, because we're all in this together, whether you're an employee, a superstar, a fan, a business partner, or otherwise. When you think about the fact that WrestleMania 1 was in front of a capacity crowd of nearly 20,000 people at Madison Square Garden, and that my parents mortgaged everything that they owned to make it happen, You think about the fact that it's evolved from one night to a whole week's worth of events. It's remarkable. It's, uh, I'm just, I'm so proud. What do you think that is? That's gonna be the Jumbotron. And it's gonna go up and it's it's inside and outside. It's crazy. Cities around the United States see WrestleMania as not only an enormous sports and entertainment event, but also, too, an enormous economic development proposition. What you guys have done with us has been truly unbelievable, and the fact that we have hosted as much as we have hosted with you guys, it's an honor for all of us. You know, people ask me, what about WWE at Staples Center? 
You know, we have four major tenants to play. There are the Los Angeles Kings, Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Los Angeles Sparks. I tell people that WWE is actually our fifth tenant. So it's a tremendous partnership. It's a tremendous relationship we have with John Sabor and Stephanie and the rest of the McMahon family. We're very excited that they've selected Staples Center to actually host four events for our WrestleMania 37 in 2021. If I can somehow work my magic, I'll be going into, into this stadium, WrestleMania 37, as the Universal Champion, defending, and hopefully and still. It's like a little bit of a metaphor, isn't it, right? We're standing here at the foundation. We're building something nice, we're building something big, we're building something new. It's kind of what I do, isn't it? LA is perfect for WWE. LA is the perfect home for WrestleMania. Folks, I'm Nathan Fisher. And I'm Chris Murray. Join us on the Monday Night Rewind as we look back on every head-to-head -head episode of Dowdef Raw and Dowdef Nitro. Find us on the brand new Suplex Retweet Extra feed available on all good podcasting sites. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson and I'm joined by Alan, Scott, Dave and Kwaku and we are talking best and worst WrestleMania venues as we here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat try to get through to you in this period of uh, self-isolation in the UK especially across all over the globe. Uh, we talked worst venues in the first half where we had some absolute claggers of WrestleMania venues that Vince would even want to forget some of them. Now we're going to go into the best ones, and I think there's a, a lot more choice going on here in the second half. I'm going to go to Scott McLeod to start the discussion here. Scott, what's your favourite WrestleMania venue? Well, uh, I mentioned WrestleMania 7 is my worst, and for my best, we go 10 years later, this has to be the best venue, because it was the site of arguably the best WrestleMania, and that is the Reliant Astrodome in Houston, Texas, the site of WrestleMania X7. Now, for me, Looking at other WrestleManias from like the Attitude from like 14, 15, and 16, like obviously the product is the hottest it's ever been, but the venues don't really scream like the company being at the height of its like powers because the venues just seem like regular like venues that go for any other show. But this is like the return to them properly doing stadium shows again. It's like 67,000 people uh, with within the month leading up to this, both WCW and ECW had went out of business. So now, basically, they basically crammed as many people as they could in here for the peak of the Attitude Era, and basically everybody coming to celebrate the what was now the last big company standing in the WWE. Mm, yeah. Uh, Alan, uh, many, many wrestling fans out there will say, WrestleMania 17, best WrestleMania of all time. There's a lot of that's down to the cards. But do you think, as Scott said, that the venue here at the Astrodome helped make it even better than what it was with the card itself? Yeah, I mean, it is arguably one of the best. I mean, it's crap because they're washed, but I mean, it is arguably one of the best. <laughs> but um, no, absolutely. I mean, just we just concentrate on one the rock match just for a moment. Rock and Austin, Austin turns heel. Right? If you go to a 15, 20,000 year stadium, yeah, you're going to generate heat. But you th think of the heat you're doing me, you're multiplying up three times. You know, you've got, as Scott says, 67,000, I believe it was, turning on you. 
you're supposed to be the guy and you turn, they turn on you. The heat, the noise is going to create the energy you're going to feel. It absolutely, I think this is the WrestleMania that turned WrestleMania into the big thing where it had to be in massive stadiums. For me, the only time WrestleMania can't be in a stadium is when it's one of the zeros. It's 10 or 20 or 30. It should be, for me, always go back to Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Understand why I didn't go to 30. But for me, every time it ends in a zero, should go back to the garden because that's where his home is. But this was the one that set in cemented WrestleMania as the super show, the real super show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, your pick for the worst WrestleMania venue in the first half was the beginning, many people say, of a spell of bad venues in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the, the show that ended that kind of spell. This was like, this was WWE saying, WrestleMania's back, we've won the war. Yep, exactly. This, uh, that's exactly what I was going to kick off with. Like, this uh, this WrestleMania at the Reliant Astrodome, it broke an eight-year streak of WrestleMania where the ven- where the attendance record was under 20,000. Like, this just completely blew it out of the water. And it's, it, you know, I think Alan said it best. This was the exclamation point that said, the WWF WrestleMania is the show to watch. And... We've we've beaten WCW and now we're back bigger than ever, and we're, we're this was the I think in my opinion this was probably where things started to kick off properly with the the much larger venues given where they went in the next few years or so, and you know the the, the stage setup as well was still kind of straightforward but you knew it had that big feel vibe about it. And given the sheer size of the arena as well and how many people you could fit in, like I'm pretty sure this was like one of the longest uh, entrance ramps uh, towards the center of the ring. I, I always seem to like arenas which have really long ramps. So it's like the, the long walk from the top of the stage, you know, this is where you make your grand entrance and you take that long walk, you absorb in the atmosphere of 68,000 people or however many it was all either chanting your name or booing you out the building. That's the kind of atmosphere I want to see with WrestleMania. And with WrestleMania X7, that just, it was a, it was a launching pad for that kind of atmosphere you experience at WrestleMania. Yeah, quite obviously. The guys have all mentioned so many great things about WrestleMania X7. It makes you kind of sad that the Reliant Astrodome is no longer a thing, you know, there is no longer an Astrodome in there because it was such an iconic venue for this event. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I believe it's now got a stadium instead, isn't it? Had a stadium next door. Mm-hmm. And that stadium itself holds 80,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at the plans of it, it does look very impressive. It is very Texas and the fact that everything's big and like <laughs> everything around is big. We got to let you know that this is big and it's loud and it's the best because that's that's essentially what Texas is. I do have an uncle who lives in Houston and he tells me about that like they can't do anything substandard everything has to be best of the best big like it's basically if Trump was a city it's like Houston <laughs> if you wow. like mm-hmm. yeah it's um, it's, it's something that Scott is just the, I think the way they kind of set up the arena that night is with as well. The way the stage is set up, the way they had everything. I think they got everything spot on in terms of how to maximise that arena or that stadium. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was good the fact that uh, this 
being the ending of kind of the attitude or the end of like the peak of you know, their popularity the fact that they like wrapped up and the like massive venues like I said they're in Texas so it has to be bigger and it kind of makes you sad that they're not they never went back to this venue and the fact that this venue is no longer kind of in use and we're like especially it reminded me when they went a they were in Houston for the rumble and they said oh the home of the Houston Astros and every time they mention it I just thought of the Astrodome and really kind of sad that this venue's not been used anymore I always thought I always looked back and thought I, I was like why have they never went back there and then it was when I looked it up a couple of years ago I seen that it, actually, it was no longer a thing I was like because it's just it's it's a spot on venue you know everything's perfect with it you know it's just and the card on the night as well it's obviously you can't obviously forget about how good the card is now it's like you've got that match with Rock and Austin you've got TLC2 you've got the gimmick battle royal everything's there you know the greatest hardcore title match of all time that triple threat the Kane one I just had a couple of extra points that the guys were already like mentioned but anyway it was a cracking venue, do you know, and the guys were saying it was over 67,000 until we closed in 2016. WrestleMania 17 is the highest attendance ever had. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they actually packed it out. I never get beat. Um, you know, and it was also the first closed dome in the world arena. So long before uh, any other dome arena. So it was actually quite reading about it. It's actually quite a fascinating thing, and it is quite tragic that now it's. 67,000 seat stadium is just lying empty. It's unbelievable to think that. Yeah, so many people wanted to go and see the return of Brother Love and Duke the Dumpster Josie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what it was actually nicknamed as well, that, uh, that arena? What? The Eighth Wonder of the World. Mm-hmm. 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 Just so before even, China. Yep, even a, a nickname like that, you know, that sort, of, that sort of gives it that big arena feel. So, and that's kind of when it was uh, when it was opened as well. It was uh, it was when it was renamed the, the Harris County Domed Stadium in 1965. It was that's when it was nicknamed Eighth Wonder of the World. Mm-hmm. Something else, and it's a fine way to start off our list of uh, best WrestleMania venues. Thanks for that, Scott. I'll now go on to Quacku again. Quacku, uh, uh, please tell us about your best venues, which Alan kind of talked about very briefly. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, so my venue, basically, I am not a fan of, although it's great to see it in terms of atmosphere and stuff like that, I'm not a big fan of open stadiums, right? Mainly because, see, like, this goes back to the show I hosted and it's all about greatest entrances and stuff like that. Sometimes I just think it gets a bit awkward when they're walking, like, two miles to get to the ring or when John Cena looks like he's doing a marathon to get to the ring instead of just doing a a short dab sprint, if you know what I mean. So with that said, I like a bit of both worlds and I've picked the Mercedes Superdome or if you're slightly older and can't remember too much, the Silverdome. So (laughs) yes, I have gone for that one because now I'm going to give, I'm going to do something for the first time. I'm going to give props to not just the stadium but it's actually the people of New Orleans, Louisiana because they are just some of the most open friendly people that you can find out there. They just like to have a party, Just they like welcoming people, they just like having a good time and see when you see a lot of the YouTube videos of like the WrestleMania access and you just see so many like marching bands going about and they're just playing wrestle wrestling music and doing it with the soul and jazz and they've even played out the new day before which was just absolutely fantastic and you just can't help but love those people 
and don't forget those are people that have had huge tragedies with like Hurricane Katrina and yet they got very little um, support from the government at the time and yet they still put on and it's that thing of when you're when you've lost something and you just make sure that people kind of have a smile on their face after you make sure people are never sad and that's the thing that i love about new orleans and i've always said to myself if they go back to new orleans that's one of the cities i would love to go to a mania at and not even like new york or la or anything for me it's new orleans Mm -hmm. and you just look at this the dome itself the the things that's hosted that's hosted some iconic um, boxing matches like uh, Sugar Ray is is held. How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Super Bowls. All right. Over the, yeah, eight wow. Super Bowls over the years. And some of the people it's hosted. I mean, and it's held Christina Milian, Kanye West. I was going to say Robin Thicke, but anyway, Five Seconds of <laughs> Summer, DJ Khaled, Camilla Cabello, Charlie XCX, No Patrol, so many, so many, DJ Khaled, David's probably never heard of him. I know who he is, yeah. They've also had the Rolling Stones, Ed Sheeran, uh, Beyonce, Guns N' Roses, you name them, they, they've been there. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, no, I'll, I'll just kick back and let Dave do this, Dave. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right, it's a, it's a great venue, and obviously the the ULEs feel, you know, and, let, let the good types roll and all that type of stuff. The mm-hmm. piece de resistance, the staging, WrestleMania 34 had the best staging. Fight me if you want, I don't care. It's the best looking. It was just the amazing. The lasers, the lights, the everything, the proper pyro, the, the CGI effects they had and stuff. It just looked amazing with that New Orleans typical Mardi Gras mask. It was just the best. Yeah, Dave, I'll go to you now on this. Uh, do you agree with a lot with what Quacko said about the venue of Mania 30 and Mania 34? Yeah, absolutely. Like I was actually in New Orleans uh, literally the week after WrestleMania 34. And what kind of idiot would do that? I was on a I was on a road trip, give me peace. But a week after it, when you're a big wrestling fan. I know, right? I was in one of those organised trips and I actually met a couple of people who actually went to Mania uh, the week prior. But yeah, just to just to echo what Kwaku said, like the whole vibe around New Orleans as a whole is a party lifestyle like some but it also has that laid back feel about it. You know, it's you know, obviously letting the, the good times roll and everything. And with the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, they could be so diverse and practical with how they set up their WrestleMania sort of like staging and stuff. And you know what Kwaku mentioned, the, the Mardi Gras mask set up for Mania 34, that was very, very unique for where the city was hosting. And they were sort of getting into that theme of, you know, tying the WrestleMania theme with the city they're hosting in. And with New Orleans, you know, the creativity just just lit up the entire place. And having an ar- arena as prestigious as the Superdome to do that, and having a like a capacity that could like outdo like Reliance Stadium, the University of Phoenix Stadium, it, it just added to what was already a really great party atmosphere. Yeah, Scott, I think that's uh the Mercedes-Benz Superdome is very similar to the venue you picked in the Astrodome with that kind of closed door. The atmosphere feels very similar to me. Yeah, I really enjoy getting venues with kind of like the dome 
Yeah, thing and uh, I remember when they announced that they were going to do on for May 30. Uh, I was kind of disappointed because, like, uh, before they'd went a like Madison Square Garden when it was a mania with the end as a Euro, and so I was kind of sad that they weren't going back to MSG. But I think I get why they would quit in New Orleans. Like the idea of Mardi Gras being like this big party and big celebration, and then kind of tying that into WrestleMania being kind of this big celebration. It's the biggest show kind of the year for WWE, and. I think it's just really so like the beach relationship not only with the venue but with like New Orleans, like the city, because like New Orleans because uh, they went back to it very shortly after. Like it's very rare that WWE runs the same venue uh, twice within a couple of years, and they were like within four years of running it the first time they came back. So it shows how much WWE enjoys running it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Alan, you mentioned. Uh, earlier on that you thought that any of the ones in the Zero should have been at Madison Square Garden but you gave an exception obviously to this event was it due to all the things that we've mentioned previously about it? I still wouldn't have put it there uh, I'm going to blow the bubble here although aesthetically it's perfect I hate the Superdome I don't like it um, apart You're of that dead I think, to me <laughs> Was it ever alive to you? Um, <laughs> I'm a massive NFL fan and I don't like the team that originates from there. But to echo some quack who said the people there are obviously fantastic and they've been through absolute hell in the last 10 years or so and they deserve all the props they get. So from a perspective where a lot of tragedies happened, I can understand where WrestleMania went there to try and help build up the economy. Um, but I strongly believe WrestleMania should have went back to the garden. Uh, Although WrestleMania has outgrown the gun, but I always believe when it ends in a zero, go back home. Um, WrestleMania 34, I thought it was a brilliant card, but I didn't like the arena, the the, the staging. Uh, I know it's very bright and colourful, and it was the whole Mardi Gras thing, but I just didn't like it. Um, but when you come to your mind, you'll probably why probably why I don't like it. But it's it's annoying because I really should like the arena. I, for all the aesthetic purposes, it ticks the boxes, but I don't like it. Also, I think I'm more pissed off the fact that 30 should have been at the garden, not there. 34, I've got no issue with being there, but I think it was the 30 being there really got my gripe. I quite liked it there, for 30. Yeah. I, get, I, I get your point about the garden thing, you know, but the garden is their home, but we talked to everyone about small arenas. Do you think, are they not at a point now that they've overgrown the garden for WrestleMania? That's a thing. Mm. Well, that is a possibility, but See if you're going to, if that's the case, then you feel the garden's been outgrown. And if you're going to be in, you know, East Coast, New York, New Jersey, go back to the garden the next thing for all. Don't go to the Barclays. Go back to the garden. Keep it in the home. If it's available, obviously. If it's not available, then tough. Mm, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. I mean, Kwaku mentioned the staging for 34. I really liked the staging for 30. I thought 30 was really good. I was watching WrestleMania 30 the, the other day. Yep. I know. I've said that I am in the minority. I, I get that, and we're all entitled to our own opinions. And no doubt, when I see the things that, like I'd like Levi, guys probably don't agree with things, but I just didn't like it, and I know I should. But I think as well, another reason is just to add on to the thirty point. Up in that run, they were going to bigger and bigger stadiums, and they went from WrestleMania twenty nine and MetLife. MetLife is the biggest capacity NFL stadium without being amended at 90,000 and then they dropped 20,000 to the next year 
to well, 30. Well, actually, Alan, it's a pretty good segue, actually, in there. Um, you pretty much mentioned what you're going to say, so why don't we just go straight into your uh, top pick, because you pretty much just mentioned it there anyway. Well, yeah, I wasn't trying to get to that. I wasn't trying to bring it into my point about MetLife, but, you know, for 30, it has to go to the biggest, and it just felt an anti-climax for me in that perspective. But, yeah, my favourite's MetLife. Again, the aesthetics point of view is perfect the same. It's the biggest capacity saving route needing an amendment for 90,000 people. Um, WrestleMania 29, okay, not the greatest WrestleMania, but the stadium is fantastic. Um, I quite enjoyed the three remotes, not the best card. Last year's WrestleMania 35 was the best one they've arguably ever put on. It's up there over 17. We, everybody got what they wanted. We got the women's triple threat main event. The fans were on absolute fire. We got some of the grandest entrances in history. I mean, what's not you like about it? And also from a bias of you, from you NFL fan, New York Giants home. That's my team. Mm. And uh, it's just a stolen story from Manhattan. Quacko, uh, I'll let you actually go straight into a rebuttal because obviously Alan said that yeah. this was that your choice was a step down from his choice from twenty nine to thirty. I'll let you go in rebuttal and give your opinion on uh, <laughs> this the MetLife Stadium. Well, that that's a bit bizarre, but oh well. Um, no, to his opinion. Um, the thing about it though, like, see when you say attendance-wise, like, I thought you would have thought maybe say the AT&T Stadium in Dallas, because that obviously held over a hundred thousand. Yeah, but it's, but see, that's because of the seats for a Mendy. See, for NFL games, it holds eighty-five thousand. About, yeah, man. Should, no, but should you really be bothered about that if you're just there to enjoy it? If the health and safety is there? No, it bothers me from the 2019 It's not necessarily just because MetLife's my favourite. It's because your biggest WrestleMania ever is coming up. You, and you should be going to the biggest stadium. It's like, they turned around and went, right, we're going to go to at t because we can go over 100,000 in there. Fair enough, if you're not going to do the garden. But it's like a 20,000 seat drop. That's massive. That's a, that's, that's a difference MSG. You've yeah, lost but, not, but that's the thing. Not everywhere can hold 100,000. And they do need to go about areas. Like, they can't, they can't just have WrestleMania solidly at uh, Texas because it's 100,000. See, if the new 30 was available for New York, I, I think, personally, it was me. I'd have went to 29, the Superdome, and 30. I'd have went to uh, MetLife. I'd have done the other way around. I agree they've got to spread it around, it's got to go around the country. But if you're going to make your biggest show in history, go to the biggest stadium if it's available. But for all we know, now I don't know the ins and outs of what's happening in the States, but for all we know, the Superdome might have been the biggest option they had available. It's, hard, been. it's a hard one to tell, you know, but um, Scott, moving on to just talking about this venue solely, what was your thoughts on MetLife as a stadium? Well, it's a weird thing with like with the two times I went like with 29, 35 and that 29 they did this whole theme of WrestleMania coming home and so like the card wasn't the best but aesthetically it looked great with all incorporating it with New York. Oh, the stadium was great, the stadium was amazing. But when yeah. they came back to it for me at 35, it had a great card but aesthetically, even though it was a great like size venue, they didn't really do much with it. They had like the pillars as they used to do but the stage was just like a big telly. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I think that's the way WWE's going to start going now. It's just the big screen. I don't think they're going to make the big effort anymore. Well, it's sad. You never really, you never know about it. But the the big point is WrestleMania 29. See, from 
see the first five minutes of WrestleMania 29 before they actually had any wrestling in it. It looked absolutely fantastic from the look of it. They actually hit it out the park and then they let the matches came out and then it kind of fell apart a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we talked about The Rock couldn't pull that WrestleMania back. That speaks volumes of how bad the card was. Well, they, they had the opening match, which was the six-man match for The Shield, which was okay. It was, it was a Shield WrestleMania debut, did no bad. Then they had Mark Henry versus uh, Ryback. And, well, you know, they just... They, they had um, the final three stretch. Triple H Lesnar was decent, not great. Uh, Take a Punk was very good. The Rock Cena was a step down on WrestleMania 28. So that's kind of the thing with it. Uh, in terms of that one, uh, Dave, what did you think of the aesthetics of it? I'm assuming you've went by the stadium on one of your many Kentucky trips. Yes, I have. Over WrestleMania weekend? No, not this time. This was uh, this was literally about two weeks after I was in New Orleans. Uh, I was going through New Jersey, <laughs> New Jersey, then New York. But um, uh, <laughs> God's sake. Uh, David, David will turn up to the Olympic Stadium two weeks after the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but yeah, with regards to the MetLife itself, I actually really liked it. I, especially for what they did for WrestleMania 29, you know, what they what they lacked in quite a, a really sort of gripping card, they actually made up for with the, the staging and the, the setup. Given that, you know, they had the whole bridge set up for the, the stage area at 29, I actually thought that was really cool. Although I, th- I do think the Statue of Liberty on the, on the roof above the ring was a little bit much. But apart from that, having it in, you know, an arena as, as big as MetLife, it's, it's very nice to just look at and, you know, see all the, the pyrotechnics go off around the entire roof of the stadium. And I do think WrestleMania 35 was a bit of a downgrade in terms of, you know, how it presented itself, you know, because like Scott said, it was just a big a big TV on the stage. It was but, bland. It was yeah. bland. The card was cracking, but it was bland. Yeah. And when you see, you know, whenever they go to Saudi Arabia now, whenever they do Crown Jewel, they've got that whole crown-shaped screen and stuff. I mean, that adds a, a little bit of a little bit more personality to it. So especially when they just followed 34, which has the best staging of them all. Fight me if you want. It's a good stage, I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, yeah, MetLife is I, I I have no complaints about MetLife and um, I can see why they went back uh, a few years later for Mania 35 because not only does it hold like 80,000 plus people, but the jet and that creates an atmosphere in itself. But I think once they add uh as long as they add like a good card to it and something that's not too over the top, it actually does really well as a as a mania stadium. It was a grand stage for the grandest moment of all time for Fandango. Oh, <laughs> Fandango's <laughs> debut as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, when he beat Chris Jericho, <laughs> uh, and we wonder why Chris Jericho is wrestling in AEW right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair man, that was years before, you know, the whole US title fiasco with Kevin Owens. Yeah, but I'm sure this played into the thinking. Let's not lie. Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Alan, if I had to pick, uh, would you agree with the guys are saying that the 29 staging was so much better and it really did set the stage? Absolutely. 29, I think, is probably... I'll argue with Quash, you know, I know probably, as I said, I'm probably in the minority, but I think 29 is the best-looking stage pair. They've ever had WrestleMania. It's really good. It's really good. 
So it's 34, but they're both really good stages. I'm sitting the fence here, but I, I thought they were both great. <laughs> I was like, Quackers said his team for WrestleMania be New Orleans, mine's be New York. I'm, my biggest fear about going to New York is I won't come back, because I'll fall in love with the place, I won't go back to the plane, I want to stay. And New York's my idea of heaven. So, for me, it's just, it takes everything for me. I've got that. one word for you, Trump. He's in Washington, yeah. Well, he's, he's as good as in New York, though. It's interesting that the news have picked uh, the Trump Plaza. Oh, God. He's sitting there with the Scottish. We're screwed either way. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. But no, um, Alan, I actually think this is a very good pick. I actually think it's a very good stadium. Uh, it pretty much hits it out of the park. Uh, I would put it really, really far up there for 29 if they had actually played a blinder on the card. But... See, because the card's so bad, I just forget about it completely. <laughs> 30 and 34, two great cards, two mm-hmm. great WrestleManias, one great stadium, one great stadium, and a state city. I rest my case. 34 is a good mania if you end it at the Ronda Rousey match. Yeah. No, Nicholas and Braun Strowman, what are you talking about? <laughs> No, honestly, uh, see Mania 34, like, as soon as I got to the main event, I just, like, I don't even care. Now, like, now, now see, with, um, now see, guys, with you, Alan and Kwaku both talked about great stagings, but that brings us on to our final panelist pick. Mm-hmm. David Holtney, take us away, what's your favourite? Kwaku, I see your WrestleMania 34, and Alan, I see you MetLife Stadium WrestleMania 29, but I raise you now for the best... WrestleMania Arena, WrestleMania venue, and that honor goes to the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida for WrestleMania 24 and WrestleMania 33. The best staging in WrestleMania history belongs to WrestleMania 33 with the roller coaster, the globe, the Universal Studios style WrestleMania logo. That completely blows everything else out of the water and that ramp as well. That that full HD ramp completely on a slope all the way down to the ring. When you get a side angle of a superstar walking down like through 75,000 odd people, that is just the biggest megastar type feeling that that a person can get when making their entrance with that roller coaster and that Universal Studios style WrestleMania logo in the background. Why do I feel like I've just been kicked in the balls? <laughs> I'll, I'll let Alan and Kwaku regain their thoughts a wee bit after Dave's attempt at a ball and I'll go to the, the cam man on the panel with Scott on this one. What was your thoughts on um, the Citrus Bowl? Well, I love how Dave was so common he could top Alan and Kwaku's pick but he didn't say anything about my picks because he knows he can't fight it but as when it comes to the Citrus Bowl I really like liked how they leaned into like the theme of like being in Orlando for like the first one and when it comes to WrestleMania 34 they did the whole like Universal Studios theme and the roller coaster because the theme like the tagline of WrestleMania was is the ultimate like throw ride and you had that weird like first person view of like a roller coaster go taking you through all the big matches in the opening package. I must say I go back and forth on that massive ramp though because like I like aesthetically it's cool but like the amount of time it takes to walk down, no. I mean, I'm glad Undertaker didn't pop out until like halfway through the, the stage. Yeah. Now, just to follow up on that as well, like, 
even before you know WrestleMania 33 had that grand Universal Studio style stage, it also hosted WrestleMania 24, which uh, that long ramp actually provided one of the greatest gifts that WWE's ever produced, where Charles Robinson literally bolts it down the down the ramp to Love it. during the during the Edge Undertaker match. Like even that setup alone, you know, that was a very appealing stage to look at with the whole sort of um, like skyscraper back tower background with the palm trees and everything. And that was actually the very first WrestleMania I saw that was hosted in an outdoor stadium. And compared to seeing, I mean, I thought Ford Field in Detroit the year before was a big venue, but my God, like seeing, seeing WrestleMania in this sort of setup, it just added a completely new dimension of how big a feel WrestleMania should be feeling. And with the addition of, you know, the more outdoor use of pyrotechnics and stuff like you would see on Bonfire Night, it just added that little bit extra to it. Quack, are you for the time to regain your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> do you want to chip in on your opinions on this stadium? Uh, no. Pierre and David Hockney over there getting wide. I mean, fair play. I mean, fair play is a great stadium, but Pierre getting wide about it. Um, I well, I mean, he mentions things that are great about it and all that stuff, but I'm sorry, but Superdome also had all that. It had the outdoor pyrotechnics that we go around the dome itself and then on the outside. So let's not mention that like that was the only stadium that had it. But anyway, um, yeah, palm trees are cool. Alan, I know it's not going to like it because it was uneven and stuff, but I'm sorry. That ramp, yes, as good as it looked, it was just too high. It was too long. Jeff Hardy almost fell off the damn thing. He was that excited on it. I mean, <laughs> that's not really good health and safety-wise. And it was just... It's just out like but I said that so when I was saying about the Superdome, it's just too long of an and it, it just made things awkward. It really does. I mean Enzo Mori and Big Cass walking down for the ladder match, that was awkward as anything. It's uh, just Well it's kinda of difficult when you know when your entrance is uh, basically, you know, talking to the crowd and getting them to uh, go along with your catchphrase. But and I'm gonna defend that ramp given that you know, the you know they were making the use of the HD technology, and it literally went all the way from the ring up to the stage. And like, and at Mania 24, you know, it was just that one little bit of a slope at the ramp, and then it was just flat for about three quarters of it. Uh, Alan Kwaku doesn't think you like the aesthetics of this stadium. Uh, is that true, or is it, are you going to say otherwise? Well, it would be right. Let's start with the positive. Hockney, you're right, it was a really nice looking stage, it was, that's all. Let's get to the bare knuckles, it's a horrible, horrible stadium, it's now no longer called, it's called the Camping World Stadium. Oh, that's just a stupid name. Yeah, Right, so you lose cred on that. Um, There was even, Vince Vince even refused it to call it the Camping World Stadium, like, he even told the commentators to call it the Citrus Bowl. You You just Citrus Bowl is rubbish? (laughs) Mate, Hockney, you just hawkified the stadium. You may as well call it Hockney Field now. <laughs> right. It's aesthetically unpleasing. It's not a nice looking stadium. Um, issues I have with it. So obviously, it's a great looking stage, but the stage is on the stand. It's not in front of the stand like every other WrestleMania. So they've tried to maximise as best they can, and it just, to an extent, looks a bit daft. Now, like David, you said earlier on in the show, you like a long ramp. So they are. 
But do you know what? I like it not to be awkward with the point that like Jeff Hardy might have the turn. You're like, great, get in the ring, and we're still waiting, still waiting, see, back, see, back. We're still waiting. See, I'll go middle here. I really like the setup stage for 24. I didn't like the one for 33. <laughs> it's okay. Fun. It's far, it, it just feels far, it felt far too long, you know. The, 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 the LED felt a bit OTT, I'm going to uh, lie. Oh, maybe it wasn't just like the ramp itself. I think it was actually to do with the, the cameras and the production of it, because when you see them walking down the ramp in a sort of sideways fashion, and you've got literally about a good chunk of the audience looking looking towards them, they look like megastars with that setup. But the thing about it, you got to think, He's all got maybe agree on this one. See, in terms of the stadium itself, it felt great for every single big moment that they had from the two shows. You had, like him or not, Floyd Mayweather's entrance for his match felt mm-hmm. absolutely big. Ric Flair's entrance for his retirement match, absolutely massive. And what we've talked about, despite him nearly falling off the stage, the Hardy Boys return. Mm-hmm. All perfect and- in the acoustics of that arena. And I'm sure we could get uh, some eyewitnesses to back me up on that statement in the form of Gary and Lucy, who were at WrestleMania 33 uh, I, when this was when this was going on. I can reveal that this is what Gary picked for his best stadium, best oh, venue. Oh. But I think he, he actually admitted he was slightly biased because he was there. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, your whole perception changes when you're there. The only thing I would change about that setup uh, for Mania 33 was the 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 ring on top of the roof. I think WrestleMania 24 is where it just had that that whoa. sort of. Teak, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. See, at the start, you you got on your big your big daddy shoes on, and you mm. said, "I'm going to raise you to this and that," and now you're saying you're going to change something. Make up just- your mind. I'm just trying to make a, an argumentative point here. You know, I never said my, my argument was perfect, so I'm just trying to look at it from both angles. <laughs> oh, it's so easy to trigger him. <laughs> this is, this is, no, no, I'm not triggered. I'm actually, I actually agree with you. I'm, I think it's only fair that I put in an argumentative point of view here. You still going to have a virtual scrap after this? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make my one exercise Dave the punch bag <laughs> oh you can't reach me because I'm self-isolated at the minute so 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 are we are we all in agreement that the, the are we all in agreement that the thing that swings this either way on this arena is the ramp <laughs> because Dave really like Dave likes the ramp for 33 I like that ramp yeah but I think the rest of us don't like the ramp for 33 no. I, love, I love the roller coaster bit the roller coaster bit was correct and, and the, the uni- and the Universal Studios style logo. Yeah, that was crap. But the ramp is um, especially for Undertaker's match where it felt like he took about half the card to get down. <laughs> but it's a it's, it's a good it's a it's a good venue. Let's not get me wrong, guys. You have all put some great points across for best WrestleMania venues. Now, I actually had a list of kind of four that I couldn't really narrow it down to. However, only one of you guys' ones was on my list. So I'm going to quickly talk about the other ones that I picked off and you can tell me how if they're good or if they suck. Um, Safeco Field for WrestleMania 19. That was decent. Yeah. I thought it looked really good for the... Especially towards the... I liked it for the main event in the kind of way that the... See the way that the ramp kind of turns? Yeah, that was really cool. It was like something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Sun Life Stadium for Mania 28. Yes, yeah, it was okay. Oh, it felt so open. It felt so. I really thought it was crying. Yeah, <laughs> forget the card and just think of how the stadium looked. It looked great. Mm-hmm. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah, it's, I, I think the. Mm, I don't know. I'm kind of 
I've kind of a mixed bag with it. Mm, I thought it was good. I thought it looked great. I'm going to look back at it again. The other one which we can't not mention that Alan's mentioned various times throughout the show, uh, Madison Square Garden. You can't yeah. not talk about Madison Square Garden for Best Mania venues. Like the, the history alone of Madison Square Garden is what makes it so special. And the number of big events that they've held there, like WrestleMania included. I mean, you just can't take away the prestige of it, of hosting like a big time sporting event in the world's most famous arena. What would you guys say is the best one at Madison Square Garden, 110 or 20? For me, 20 for Undertaker's return. I say 20 for Taker's return. Yeah, 20 for the Undertaker. It was a bit differently set up as well compared to any other Madison Square Garden event that really did. Yeah. I'd seen before then. I think it helps that, you know, technology had advanced incredibly since, you know, obviously the first WrestleMania, so they had a bit more to work with. And I'm pretty sure that's the first time they've had, like, uh, LED TV monitors on the the floor of the stage as well, as opposed to just having the big screens. It was good. That wasn't wasn't just because of technology, that's because they redesigned the interior of Madison Square Garden. So that's why the old the old entrance is no longer in use. Yeah, that's because they don't use that one anymore pretty much for most. They used it, they, they were still in use at that point because they had the Royal Rumble at that point in 2008. Yeah. With John Cena. I remember they that. They did do it for an episode of Raw as well. I think it was the Raw before Survivor Series 2009. But, but guys, uh, Dave Allen and Quacko all had an argument to each other about their venues, but there's only one winner for me from you guys. And it was Scott with the Astrodome. You know, it's up there. You can't not, you can't beat the Astrodome to me, guys. I'm sorry. It's a close second to MetLife. Oh, it's, the Astrodome <laughs> is. Out of all those four I listed, Astrodome is far and away the best one. Take away the rest of the 17 card and say it. Think about a venue without the card. And oh, say the, venue's still, the venue's still great, man. Come on, it's absolutely amazing. It's so, so good. It is, yeah, it's, that, it's not that bad, but I still would lean towards. Towards the the Citrus Bowl a little bit, but you know, we're, we're like, call think, it the, call it the new name, call it the new proper name. Go for nah, it. I'm, call, I'm calling it a Citrus Bowl. But oh, you know what? Reliant, Astro, Reliant Astrodome, I think it stands by its nickname a bit. The eighth wonder of the world. You think about it, like you guys have mentioned, like venues that you've they've ran multiple times. Say, oh, when they did it this time, this, but when you did it this time, they had this going against it. Whereas, even though I would like them to have run the Astrodome more than once for WrestleMania, they only needed to do it once. And it's still fondly remembered to this day as one of the best WrestleManias of all time. But I think it's fair to say that there's, I think it's fair to say that there's so many good WrestleMania venues that we had so much bigger of a list compared to what we had for the worst one. And obviously, that has been our show of the best and worst WrestleMania venues. If you want to contribute some of your favourite or least favourite WrestleMania venues, and if you agree with anything that our guys have come up with, please get in touch with us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. If you are obviously well, you all we all are in self isolation at the moment at this current time. So please stay indoors and please listen to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Enjoy our back catalogue while you're trying to keep yourself occupied and not going absolutely insane with cabin fever. Uh, we're on all the good podcasting uh, platforms. You can find us there. Just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet as well. It's Suplex Retweet Extra. We'll be doing so much other extra content. We'll be back next week. Where we'll be doing a very special edition of our debating show, The Debating Chamber, where we'll be asked, answering the one big question Should WrestleMania have went ahead this year? That's the one question we'll be answering on next week's show. It should be interesting to see how our panel think, because some of them are going to have to say, argue that WrestleMania should have took place in an empty arena 
at the Performance Centre. Should be fun for some of the guys. <laughs> uh, but that's next week. Uh, until then, I would like to thank my panel for tonight. First of all, Alan McLucas. Thanks very much, mate. No problem. To Scott McLeod. Thank you. To David Hockney. Thank you very much. Wash your hands. All right, Boris, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and to Kwaku Aji. What did I just hear? What, you, that or the long rap discussion? <laughs> Not just there with Dave. <laughs> I uh, I've been Stephen Wilson. This has been Eat Sleep Suplexory Tweet. Stay safe and we'll see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet now proudly presents Suplex Retweet Extra! Get bonus content on WWE, AEW, NXT, WCW, Scottish and World Independent Promotions. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple and Android podcasting sites, as well as YouTube. Head over to suplexretweet.com now.